Good morning, faith family. How's everybody? If you got a Bible, go to the book of Jude for one last time. This morning is uh, the conclusion of our series. Uh, if you're visiting with us, we're thrilled to have you. The last several weeks, we've been going through a series called Contend. And, you know, everybody has something in their life that's worth fighting for. And we as Christians believe that the faith, the Christian faith, is worth fighting for. And now when we talk about fight, we're not talking about fist fights. We're not talking about physical fighting. We're just saying that, that we believe in something and we're not ashamed of that. And, and we must stand firm for our faith. And there's a little book in the Bible called the book of Jude. In the last several weeks, we've been going through that book, and it's all about contending for the faith. Now, if you've missed a few weeks, uh, just kind of quickly recap here. Uh, week one, we talked about before you ever step into the ring, there's some things you got to get down. You got to put on humility because this isn't about you. Uh, you got to know your identity in Jesus. Uh, and not what the world thinks about you. The strategy of the evil one, the, the sneak punch, it's always going to be deceptive and subtle. Uh, and then lastly, we don't fight for victory, we fight from victory. Uh, as Christians, we have already experienced victory in Jesus, right? That was week one. Week two, we said there is a faith that we believe in. It's called the Christian faith, and you're not a Christian if you don't believe in that faith. Well, that faith is worth fighting for. It is precious to us. It has been entrusted to us. And so I called you to do something. Don't just stand there all your life. Contend for the faith. Do something. Share the truth. Stand firm in the truth. Weeks three and four, we focused on the opponent, uh, specifically in Jude's day, but how it even exists even today. And it's the idea of what we call twisted grace. People will say, you know, God's a loving God and God's a God of grace, which he is. And we talk about that all the time here. But people will use that to then excuse whatever they want to do in life. And Jude says, listen, those are promises that never deliver and they ultimately lead you, ultimately lead you to judgment. Last week, uh, we talked about the fact that we got to go the distance, right? Cue the Rocky music. We got to go the distance. We got to go to the final round. And in order to do that, we need the right expectations. This is going to be tough. There'll be times uh, when it'll be challenging. Uh, we, that's why we need constant edification in the word. We need desperate prayers praying for God for strength. Uh, we need submission to God in his way. We need to be preoccupied. Folks, one day Jesus is going to return. And we can't be so consumed in the now that we forget that that day is coming. And then lastly, don't stop doing ministry. The way you contend every round or the way you get to the final round is by doing ministry every round. And so don't stop uh, focusing on the mission. Well, this morning, uh, with two verses left in this book, we're going to look at where does our confidence come from in this contending for the faith? Because that's how Jude ends this uh, letter. So if you're able to stand, would you please do so? As we pick up in verse 24, two verses ought to be a short sermon, right? Wait till you read these verses, right? It is jam-packed full of some incredible truth. Look at, look at how he ends this letter. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me?
Uh, Father, thank you um, for the last several weeks together in this book. It really has been challenging, but, but it's something that you've called us to. Uh, you have put us in this world to contend for the word, to contend for the truth, lovingly, graciously, but boldly. And I pray this morning as we conclude this series that you would fill us with the confidence we need to contend to the end. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Is all this really worth it? It's not the first time I thought it, but it is the first time I think I said it out loud. It happened several years ago. It had been a very long day in ministry, and I'd been visiting hospitals and counseling meetings and, and staff meetings and uh, uh, helped a family plan a funeral, had that never-ending clock in my brain of the weekends coming, the weekends coming, you got to get the message finished. And, and I just got home really, really late, and I was, I was tired. I mean really tired. I walked into my son's room. I looked at those chubby cheeks. And tears started flowing down mine. And I just said out loud, can I do this? Can I really keep doing this? Don't misunderstand me. The problem in that moment was not the demands of ministry. I accept that gladly. Let's be clear. The problem in that moment was me. I thought I could do it all. There was this pressure on me like I had to do it all. And, and it almost crushed me. It reminded me of an interview by World Magazine with a Christian musician by the name of Michael Card. It was about a song that he wrote entitled, Underneath the Door. The song is actually about his father. His father wanted to be a doctor since the age of seven. And when he finally became a doctor, he practiced for like 52 years until he was forced to retire in his early 80s because his health got so bad. And Michael was talking about his dad, and he said, you know, he'd work all day long. He would deal with patients in crisis. He would help them with their medical situations. He was always trying to figure out how to help and serve other people. He was the hardest working man I knew. But when he came home, he wanted to be alone. He'd walk past our family, go into his office, put on his noise-canceling headphones, and lock the door. He said, my responsibility was to let my dad know that it was supper time. And because I couldn't get my dad's attention, I, I would stand there at the door peeking underneath, and I would stick my little kid fingers underneath the door, and I would write these little letters, and, and it's supper time, daddy, it's supper time, daddy, and I would slide them under the door. In his song, he writes, my father was a doctor who would come home late at night with a soul so bruised and bleeding from his unending faithful fight. 
to keep a hold of kindness in a world that isn't kind, to hold out hope of healing to a hurting mankind. And he'd flee back to his study, to his bookish quiet place, with notes and books and journals to his special place. And then he'd lock the door from things that cannot be locked out. And his youngest son would starve for what he'd always do without. Michael said, my dad was not a bad man. My dad was a good man. I loved my father. But my father never learned he was not his gift. That he didn't have to do it all. And it's why six months after he was forced to retire, he died. Because he never quite understood that his identity was not his ability. Faith family, you and I are the kind of people that are amazed at the giftedness and abilities that we see in other people, are we not? It's why we love to watch that athlete make that play. It's why we love to listen to that musician perform that song. We love to see the painter with that amazing touch, to see the surgeon cut with great skill, that carpenter that's able to do amazing things with their hands, that speaker that speaks with such authority. And don't misunderstand me. We ought to praise God for those gifts and we ought to express gratitude to the people who have been given those God-given gifts. But we must not think we are our gifts. We, nor should we think that because we don't have certain gifts that we're somehow not important you see, here's my fear at the end of the Contend series. Hear me, faith family, is we're going to end up in one of two extremes. As you've been challenged to contend, you're either going to have a low view of yourself, but pastor, I can't. I don't have the ability. I don't have the strength. I don't have the giftedness. I can't speak like he can. I can't share like she can. I don't think I can do this. Or you'll end up on another side that, that thinks too highly of your giftedness. Well, it's a good thing God has me on, on his team. I mean, can you imagine where this fight of faith would be if I weren't a part of it? And, and we're just stuck in between this struggle with, do I have the giftedness and ability to contend? And that's exactly why Jude ends this letter with this. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory and majesty and dominion and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Right here. Why does Jude end that way? Why does he end the book with a doxology? Here's why I think he does it. He wants us to know that our ability to contend for the faith is not based on our giftedness 
greatness, it's based on his greatness. That we might misunderstand in this whole series of being challenged to contend to think that it's all on us. And Jude wants to say, no, 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 no. He's the greatest. It's him that does the work. He's the one who is big enough to sustain us in the battle. You know, confidence, uh, whether it's in boxing or in sports or even in life, it's one of the most important things you can have. I mean, you don't want to step in the ring and be like, I'm totally going to (laughs) lose. It's like, this game was over before the national anthem. Okay, that's not a good mindset to have before you enter the game, okay? Um, in fact, do you remember Muhammad Ali, famous boxer, how he would always say, I am the greatest, right? And I used to think that was arrogant. I really did. I was like, that's really arrogant to go around. I am the greatest. I am the greatest. And then a really good friend of mine who understands boxing said, no, you don't understand. That's the mindset every boxer must have. Because if you don't have confidence outside the ring, you won't have confidence inside the ring. But don't misunderstand. Our confession is not we are the greatest. Our confession this morning is he is the greatest. We just go around saying God's the greatest. He's the greatest. He's the... That's why Jude ends this way. Because the confidence that we need to contend for the faith is found in the greatness of God. I want to give you three reasons this morning why you're going to keep contending. Look at me. I'm your spiritual trainer. I'm in your face. I'm going to get in your grill. You're going to keep going. I had a woman come up to me after last service, got tears flowing down her face. She said, Pastor, I ain't giving up. I ain't quitting. I'm going to contend to the end. And I know. And here's why. Three reasons. Number one, you're going to contend with confidence because of the power of Christ. Faith family, you are going to contend to the end, not because of your power, but because the power of Christ. Look at it in verse 24. First phrase, now to him, say this with me, who is able to keep you from stumbling. If that's not underlined in your Bible, do that. Underline, he is able. My guess is at the end of this letter, Jude's readers feel the way you might feel. Man, Jude, you're asking me to do some big stuff. I mean, the false teachers are very, very influential. This is going to be difficult to go against the grain and contend for the gospel. And Jude says, uh, uh, I know that's why you're not able, but he is. The power doesn't rest in you, it rests in Christ. He is able. Just say this with me this morning. I am not able. able. But God is. is. We got to get our minds right. The, The battle doesn't rest on us. It rests on his power. Now, what does Jude mean here by keep them from stumbling? Uh, we don't need to misunderstand what, what, what's happening here because my guess is you've stumbled before. Anybody want to testify? Like today? Anybody just feel like you've fallen and you've stumbled and, and, and whether that's not just physically but spiritually in life? In fact, some of you, your life looks like this from time to time. You know, you're just kind of stumbling all over the place and banging up against that and being hit with this. And it's like a constant fall. And then when you finally think you're back on solid ground, there you go again. 
and you're stumbling here and falling there, and this is what your spiritual life looks like, you know? And finally, you get to the end, and you're like, whew, I'm glad that was over. Like, now I can move on. And then all of a sudden, bam, out of nowhere, there you are right back on the ground until you get yourself back up, and you're like, eh, it's but a flesh wound, right? We'll just, we'll just shake that off, right? No big deal. Some of you are like, that was last Friday. <laughs> Talk to me, faith family. You ever felt like that? Man, I've stumbled. You've stumbled. We've all stumbled. And that was 10 minutes ago. Listen, can I just give you some good news this morning? Because I don't want you to think that what Jude is saying here is you're never, ever, ever going to mess up again. Don't take this out of the context of the book. Here's what Jude is saying. Notice it on the screen. He's not talking about falling down. He's talking about falling away. And you may stumble that many times, but you know, in that video you see that at the end, he's walking away. You will stumble and fall, but listen, Jesus is going to give you the power to keep going to the end. That's what Jude wants these readers to know, that, that the power within them that has been given to them by Christ will get them to the end. As I thought about this, I went back to the book of Acts this week and looked at uh, Paul's life. Put your seatbelt on. We're going to go fast here. Listen to what happened to Paul uh, in a few chapters in Acts. Acts 13, he goes to Cyprus and faces opposition. Then he goes to Antioch, where Jews stir up persecution against him. Acts 14, he goes to Iconium, where Jews poison the minds of his listeners so that they won't believe the gospel. Then he goes to Lystra, where he gets stoned. That's where they throw rocks at you, not the other kind. All right, let's be clear. Then Acts chapter 15, he goes to the Jerusalem council where he has to defend and contend for the gospel that it is not by works, it's by faith alone. Then the end of chapter 15, he's uh, in a conflict with Barnabas over whether or not John Mark can continue. Acts 16, he thinks he's going to go this way till God recalculates his life to Macedonia where he gets beat up and thrown into prison. Uh, then Acts chapter 17, he ends up in Thessalonica, gets chased out of town to Berea, gets chased out of Berea uh, into Athens, one of the most pagan cities in the Roman Empire, where he experiences very little spiritual fruit. Then he goes to Corinth in Acts 18, a place full of all kinds of immorality. And as you might imagine, in a weird way, very encouraging to me, he's tired. <laughs> you thought your week was bad. Paul has gone through all that and he's tired. And again, this is just kind of a weird, like maybe ministry connection that just thinks there's something really encouraging that Paul at times wondered whether or not he could keep going. You say, well, not the apostle Paul. He was like Iron Man. He never, he never struggled. And I would agree with you if you weren't for the Bible. <laughs> Look at what happens in Acts 18. This is in Corinth. Verse 9, the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid. You know why he said that to Paul? Because Paul was afraid. But go on speaking and do not be silent. You know why he said that? Because Paul was considering shutting it down. 
And here's why you keep going, Paul. It's not because I got a training session for you. It's not because I'm sending a motivational speaker. He'll be there at noon. He says, here's why you're going to keep going. Because I'm with you. Because I'm going to give you the power you need. I'm going to give you the strength you need to keep going. Nobody's going to attack you or harm you. I have many in this city who are my people. And what happens? He keeps contending. The text says he stayed a year and six months teaching the Word of God among them. In fact, this happens in Corinth. He will testify to the Corinthians later on in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my, say it, my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses so that the what? Power of Christ may rest on me. Every eye right here. Brother, sister, you're going to get to the end. You're going to contend to the end. You're not going to give up. You're not going to back down. You're not going to throw in the towel. You're not going to give up on this faith fight. And you know how you're going to get there? It's not because you're able. It's because he's able. It's not because you have the power. It's because he has the power that he will give you because he is with you. That is what will keep you contending to the end. And that ought to breed confidence in you. Number two. It's not just that we are confident to contend because of the power of Christ. We're confident to contend because of the promise of Christ. Look at the second phrase in verse 24. He's not just able to keep you from stumbling, Jude says, but also to present you blameless before the presence of His glory. What a thought. With great Joy. In other words, Jude's saying here, here's the second part of this. He's not just going to keep you to the end. He's going to present you blameless in the end. Jesus is going to make sure you get there. And then when you get there, unlike the false teachers whose end will be judgment, your end will be no condemnation. There will be nothing of blame, no spot, no wrinkle in that day. In fact, it literally means there will be no charges brought against you. Oh, come on. Think about that this morning. Can you imagine that? Man, I can't wait. I cannot wait. Uh, the, the Bible calls the evil one the accuser of the brethren. I can't wait on that day. A and you as well, brother and sister, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, when, when the accuser stands up and he's got your background, he's got your resume, he's got all those things that you've thought, and he begins to accuse you, and Jesus says with all of his holiness and all of his glory and all of his authority, shut up! They're mine. They're mine. And because I am the spotless lamb, there's not a spot on them. There was nothing to blame and nothing to accuse, not because of what they have done, but because what I have done for them. He will not just get you to the end. He promises to present you blameless before all of His glory in the end.
Think about that. You know, when I was growing up in the South, we would have revival speakers that would come around and, you know, some of them are good, some of them were not so good, and they would have techniques to try to manipulate people to make decisions and make them feel guilty about how they were living. And one of the ones I heard a thousand times if I heard it once, and there was one guy in particular, I still love him to this day, he'd always, he'd lean up against the pulpit and he'd, he'd look out there and he'd say, Christian, one day you're going to stand before God. And the movie that is your life, and he'd do this, the movie that is your life is going to be shown for everybody to see. Every thought you ever had, everything you ever did, every situation you, and he would just say, he would do this for like 10 minutes. And I would sit there thinking, what kind of technology are we going to have in heaven? <laughs> Seriously? Like God's going to sit there doing this for everybody? That's a lot of film. And if I've got a video, can it at least be in HD? Like, what is this? That's how I thought as a kid, right? Can I just give you some better news this morning? Can I give you the truth this morning? Can I give you a gospel reality this morning? Romans 8, 1, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Hebrews 9, 27, it is appointed for man to die once, and after that will come the judgment. But Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save. Colossians 2 verse 13, you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. And God made us alive together with him, having forgiven us how much? All our trespasses, canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, everybody say it with me, nailing it to the cross. Hallelujah. Praise God, there won't be this. Because it's finished. It's finished in Jesus. As the great hymn says, when he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found. Dressed, not in my righteousness, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless. Stand before the throne. The good news of the gospel, dear friend, is because he is the spot, he is the spotless lamb, we will be spotless before the judgment seat of God. That's the best news in the world. And if you're here and you don't you don't know Jesus, I am pleading with you right now to bow the knee. To repent of your sin, to stop going your own way and turn by faith and look to Jesus and say, I trust you, I believe in you, I surrender my life. Otherwise, when that day comes, you will stand alone. And the accuser will have a field day. For you have not been robed in the righteousness of Christ. But today, you could have that promise. Amen? Christian here, would you just agree with me? Right? Amen. If you're here and you don't know that, today could be that day. 
Oh, this gives us so much confidence, does it not? To be able to contend. He's going to get us to the end and present us blameless in the end. You know, I've tried to use the boxing metaphor a lot to teach us the, the Bible in this series. And, and, and one thing that's really, really important in boxing is your footwork. Like If your feet are not where they're supposed to be, uh, you're not going to contend very well. I mean, your feet being right is not just it gives you speed, right? You can go in and out. It's not just that it gives you more strength, right? You've got that twist. But more than anything, having the right footwork is what gives you security. If you're just kind of, you know, standing up here like this, you're really easy to get knocked over. But man, when you're down and you've got the right footwork, then you're able to be secure as you contend. You say, well, what's your point? Here's the point I want you to take this morning. Our footwork is secure when we're standing on the promises of God. You say, but I'm not able and I don't think I can do it and this is too much and and I don't have the strength. I'm not gifted like she is. Hey, you got your feet in the wrong place, sister. Put your feet on the promises of God. Not your power, not your strength. Put it on God who says, I will keep you and I will present you blameless. Get your footwork where it's supposed to be, namely on the solid rock. And you will contend securely. You know, one of the things that this teaches us, just quickly, kind of a pastoral moment here, is you take these two phrases. um, He is able to keep you from stumbling. That is, you won't fall away. You'll get to the end. And he'll present you blameless in the end. That phrase and many, many other passages in the Bible, um, it, it, it forms the doctrine that we hold very passionately here. Uh, at Berean, which is known as the security of the believer, or, or some might even call it the perseverance of the saints. It simply means this, and I believe this with every ounce in my body, that the Bible teaches that a genuine Christian will never fall away. You are secure in Christ. And because of that security, you can have confidence right? That, that you will not be lost. Now you might say, yeah, but you know, pastor, if I really believed that, then I would think there was uh, no responsibility. I could just do whatever I wanted to do. You know, after all, people will say that, you know, once saved, always saved. So yeah, but you're misunderstanding the doctrine. Uh, go to uh, Acts chapter uh, 27, just quickly. I want to give you one quick example here. Acts chapter 27 In verse 22, I think this illustrates uh, the point here beautifully. Uh, Acts 27, verse 22, Paul is on his way to Rome. He's on a ship that's in a storm. And watch what he says. Uh, Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be how much loss? No loss of life among you, but only the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. Translation, you are going to get to the end. You will get to Rome. Keep reading. And behold, guess what? Good news. God has granted you all those who sail with you. In other words, you're going to get there safely also. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. Right here, God gave a promise. 
Paul, you're going to get to the end. You're going to get to Rome. You're going to get to where I promised you were going to get to. And guess what? Everybody with you is going to get there as well. I promise. Hey, did Paul believe that promise? Yeah. He said, I have faith in God. It's going to be this way. And if you read the rest of the narrative, it happens exactly the way God promised. Kind of always does. All right. Just a little side note. It happens exactly the way God promised. Then why, oh, this is so good, why is Paul able to say this? Look at verse 31. After Paul has already just said, God has promised to get us there safely. Verse 31, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. I love it. You say, what's your point, Pastor. Believing in eternal security, you are going to get to Rome because God promised it, doesn't mean you look around and say, I don't care, do whatever you want, jump off the ship for all I care. No, Paul, believing in the security that everybody's going to get there safely, will still look at his fellow man and say, don't jump. In other words, you have a responsibility here. That's not a contradiction at all for Paul. And we believe that we are absolutely secure in Christ. He will get us to the end, but that doesn't give you an excuse to live however you want. Are you with me? Some people will say, yeah, but I know so-and-so, and she was X, and now she's Y, okay? But the Bible teaches, come on, that true faith is not a temporary faith. True faith is an enduring faith. That's where most people get mixed up here. The parable of the soils teaches that there is a faith that will grow for a while but die, but it's not real faith. Real faith perseveres. John says it this way, and then we'll move on. 1 John 2, verse 19. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, They would have continued with us, but they went out that it might be plain that they all are not of us. The point, genuine Christianity perseveres to the end. And this gives us such great confidence when we contend for the faith. Uh, If there's one thing I've learned in traveling, it's that there's a difference between a a standby passenger and somebody that's got a confirmed ticket. Have you ever seen this in an airport? Just look at somebody that's standby. They're nervous, man. They're on the phone all the time. They're constantly checking the screen. They're constantly going up to the, you know, the counter. Am I going to get on? Am I going to get on? There's no confidence at all. But man, you look at somebody that's got a confirmed ticket, and there's just a sense of peace, right? That's not a snarky look at the standby passenger, all right? It's not, it's not what that is. It's peace, man. It's like, I don't know when I'm going to get there, but I know I'm going to get there. Because something's been confirmed in my life. Point, your future has been confirmed because of the cross. It is finished. Amen? So what are you afraid of? Where's your confidence? Where's the boldness? Where's the courage? You have the power of Christ. 
and you have the promise of Christ. And I'll give you one final one, and maybe the most important of all. Verse 25. Not just the power and not just the promise, but the very person of Christ. Verse 25 says to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Why end that way? Why is that the, 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 the last statement? Here's what I think Jude wants to say. You have all the confidence to contend because Christ has already been crowned champion. You have all the confidence to contend. There shouldn't be any sense of being afraid of this world. Christ has already been crowned champion. He has all authority. He has dominion. He has glory and majesty. He's been given a name that's above every name, and every knee is going to bow at that name, and every tongue is going to confess willingly or unwillingly, He is Lord. Point, do you have any idea who's in your corner? Do you have any idea who's got your back? When you look back at the corner, you don't just have power. You don't just have a promise. You have Christ himself. He is all that you need to have the confidence to contend. As Luther writes in one of my favorite hymns, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Luther writes, did we in our own strength confide? Well, then our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Dost ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is He. The Lord of hosts is His name from age to age the same. He will win the battle. This is the confidence. We don't need faith family. Listen, I'm all for techniques. I'm all for training. I'm all for, for classes. We do that here. It's important. But do you know what we need more than any of those things to be absolutely confident to contend? Are you ready? Are you ready? We just need a big vision of Jesus. We just need a big vision of Jesus. Because when we understand who He is, we'll have all the confidence we need to contend. Well, the summary of these uh, verses is simply this. This is what I want you to take away today. In the fight of faith, we can contend with confidence. There's no reason not to. Not because we're the greatest, but because Christ is the greatest. I'll close with this. There, there was a king... Uh, 11th, 12th century in England, and all of his followers would just tell him how great he was all the time. You know, you're the greatest king. There's nobody been like you. You're, you're the most powerful king that ever lived, and on and on and on and on and on they'd go. He finally got sick of it because he knew it was foolish talk, and he decided to, keep, uh, to teach him a lesson, and so he took him down to the sea, and uh, he said, do you think I'm the most powerful king? Of course, there's nobody that's more powerful than you. He said, then bring me my chair and place it here at the water's edge. He looked at his 
court of men and he said, do you think that I have the power to command the sea and it will listen? Of course, order it and it will be so. And so he looked to the sea, he stuck his hand out and he shouted at the sea, I command you, come no further. And the tide rolled in and splashed against his feet. Again, he stuck out his hand. I order you, come no further. And once again, the tide rolled in and splashed against his face. And before long, the king was drenched in water. He stood up from his chair And he took off his crown and threw it into the sea. And he looked at his men and he said, it seems I don't have as much power as you think. Maybe you should save your praise for the king who does control the seas. Faith family, are you terrified to get in the ring? Are you afraid to speak that word of truth? Are you ashamed of the gospel? Because if you are, it may very well be you have your confidence in all the wrong place. You are not your gift. And your identity is not your ability. Hear me. Jesus is the one that will be glorified. Jesus is the one that will receive all majesty. Jesus is the one who will be praised. Jesus is the one that has all authority and dominion. Listen, Jesus is and will always be the greatest. And faith family, that he is all the confidence we need to contend for the faith. God's people said, amen. 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 Let's pray together. Father, thanks for your word to us this morning. Wow, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? What can separate us from the love of God? nor life, nor death, nothing. And yet, we're so often afraid. Or yet, we so often think it's all on us. I just pray this morning that you'd give us a very clear vision as to where our confidence is in. It's not our giftedness, it's your greatness. And and I believe that we will contend to the end because of your power, because of your promise, but more than all, because of who Jesus is. He will not let us go. So we will fight. 
And we will fight with love and we will fight with grace and we will fight in Jesus' name. But we will fight. That is, we will tell the world. We will tell everybody willing to listen. We are not ashamed of Jesus. He is the way. He is the truth. He's the life. And there's nobody getting to the Father but through Him. Father, give us that boldness. Give us that courage. If there's somebody here today and they have never trusted Christ, God, I pray for them right now. Earlier, we called out to them that there will be a day when they will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and they will either stand alone or stand in Him. And if that person is here today and they don't have a relationship with Christ, I pray today would be that day as they turn from their sin and look to Christ. Others in this room, there's that conversation they need to have. There's that witness they need to give. I pray this morning they are full of boldness in Jesus' name. And we pray this in Christ. And God's people said, amen. Would you stay?